Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response... Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com slash potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. this is The Potential Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Potential Podcast with me, Taylor Sokol, and my co host, Chris Tour. And uh, may the 4th be with you. Uh, as uh, we nerds say, it is May 4th, and this is. Uh, very exciting as we're releasing this episode here. This is going to be, uh, well, Chris, this is what, you know, since a year since we released the trailer announcing our potential podcast. And it's That's so right. exciting and surreal to be back and be doing this, you know, already, you know, heavy into season two. And, you know, what better way to celebrate both being nerds and, you know, May 4th itself, but then doing a true 
Star Wars episode on May fourth. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't you know just do any you know any podcast episode. episode this week. We had to do a Star Wars one, and it was fitting that we 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 had a friend tag along with us today because at this point he's been kind of like our our uh, Star Wars sidekick, Star Wars expert, uh, fellow Star Wars nerd, and fan of the podcast. We're so happy to have back with us today for this talk. Tim Fitzsimons, he's back on the podcast. How you been doing, Tim? I've been doing pretty well, guys. Um, you know, just been uh, working away. By the time this podcast airs, I will have turned 30, hit the big That's 3-0. That's right. Happy birthday last weekend. The big 3-0. Can you believe Thank that? Thank you. You're in your third decade. I, I, it's, it's nuts. I, I never thought I'd actually get here. But I'm actually really excited for my 30s because I'm no, sorry. I have just, like, having a better idea of what I want to do with life um, and... You know, I'm just, I'm, I feel ha- I'm happier in general because it also helps that I'm not dealing with living in New York at the moment. I'm living at home and spending time with my family, but I've recently became manager at my job. So I've just been nerding out and hanging out with um, and watching, playing video games, all that jazz. Living the life. I rambled that's, there. That's, uh, no, that's <laughs> totally fine. Um, but yeah, I know it's, it's kind of great that you're kind of finding a new path. And that's something that we see a lot in these movies we're talking about today. Um, finding your your path, your journey, the hero's journey. Hopefully, it's not a dark path. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> not you never dark, know. But, uh, but other than that, I'm just you know. Sorry, I jumped back in here, but I have to mention we, even though it's not Star Wars, we've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier and WandaVision, keeping up with that, but also keeping up with one of my favorite podcasts, The Potential Podcast. I listen to it every week. I love it. It's you guys are awesome, and your Christopher Walken special was fantastic. And I agree with you about the deer hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Thank a little long. Self plug. Um, Twenty bucks yeah. well spent. We're so happy though, Tim. You really have been uh, a solid fan of the show, and we've been happy Absolutely. to have you come on when you can, uh, especially yeah. to talk about a thing that all three of us really love, which of course is Star Wars. And today, being May the Fourth, right? We have to talk about Star Wars, and we thought, you know, where are we going to go this time? I thought it really was a good idea for the three of us to talk about the tr- trilogy that really was our trilogy. And by that, I mean the trilogy of our youth. And that, of course, is of the prequel trilogy, the, the story and the downfall, if you will, of Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader. If that's a spoiler for you, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. And also, where have you been forever? Um, not really <laughs> a big mystery by now. But, you know, what a great idea if you think about it, you know, after how... You know, the original trilogy and kind of the big reveal being one of the biggest cinematic reveals of all time Yeah, that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Well, you know, there was always those ideas of, well, how did he become this Sith Lord and how did he become this, you know, dark entity going from what we believe was a good person into someone bad? And would Luke follow that same path? I'm trying to think, gosh, I'm trying to remember when, you know, we were very young when this prequel trilogy started. I was 10, I believe, at the time. And you guys would have been, what, Taylor, like eight, um, nine in June, after, right? Like, yeah, about a month after this came out. Yeah. And then Tim the Young in here, he was, he was, yeah, I, just, I had just turned eight, like 16 days before, um, because the movie came out May, episode one came out May 16th, and 1999, and I was born April 30th. So it was like a younger, great, less hairy Tim. Less hairy Tim, yes. You yes. were you were basically the age of Anakin Skywalker in the first movie. <laughs> That's yeah. absolutely right. You were watching the movie, going, 
that could be me. Will I ever um, see you again? With the same blonde hair. Uh, <laughs> actually, actually, at the time, I, I buzzed my hair from like first to seventh grade. Oh. So I didn't have hair at the time. Okay. <laughs> from what we can remember, going down memory lane, this first one's going to be a little tough just from a first watch. Uh, I'm sure all three of us have seen it a gazillion times, but do you guys have any early memories of when you first saw any kind of like poster or a trailer or something for the Phantom Menace and, and starting to kind of understand that there was major buzz seeing that there was going to be the first new Star Wars movie in a really long time and that we were like going to have a whole new trilogy kind of start up. But I, so I remember I saw that trailer for episode one and vividly that I remember there being a scary guy that became Darth Maul um, and then just getting hyped to go and see it. And I went and saw it with my dad and I was captivated for the two hours that we were sitting there. And I think that was the first film that I oh. went to see, like in theaters, when people were all dressed up. I think that was like the main, like, you know, I think that was a turning point where people were started like getting into movies. And I remember seeing mm-hmm. everybody, I'm like, my mom and my dad, we went and saw that. And I was like, dude, this is like, this is more than a movie. This is an experience. So I was like, oh, this <laughs> an is event. Great. <laughs> what, an what about you, Chris? Time. Okay, well, one thing, let's see if you guys can remember this. I definitely remember. It's, it's it's stuck with me forever. Whatever trailer I first saw for this movie, all it was at the beginning was like a misty white plane. Oh, yeah, the Gungans walking through. It was the Gungans the- walking mm-hmm. through. Like It was very like, oh, who are these? Yeah. What race is this? You know, of course, when you're that young, you're like, oh, this is aliens or something. Is this mm-hmm. some kind of weird like jungle movie? And then as it kind of went along, you kind of got, oh, this is Star Wars. And, you know, even at a young age thinking, okay, well, what would they do? You know, what else could they do with Star Wars? And thinking of Star Wars having still to this day, one of the most iconic villains of all time uh, in pop culture. Again, that kind of idea of, well, how did he become that way? And this is something that I think you think of today, our media, and we'll kind of get touched more of this as we get to the other two movies. We're seeing a lot of that now where people are, are exploring like origin movies to villains or like when they were younger, you know, we have Cruella coming up in a few weeks, you know, we have, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of this idea of let's explore these characters origins. And this was kind of like a, a, one of the first ones, you know, to kind of do that, especially for like the late nineties, early two thousands. But I still remember that poster. It's so cool. It's still one of my oh, favorite the, posters of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The young Jake Lloyd, as you know, young Anakin, he's kind of like in Tatooine, about to like go off on this adventure, and his shadow is Darth Vader. Such a cool because you one think one of the best marketing posters. It was saying, everywhere. This cute it was little everywhere. kid. It's this cute little kid. It's the kid from this is this, this kid. Jingle yeah. All the Way. You I know. know. <laughs> Jamie, I give you the devil man. Jamie, you're gonna be a Vader. Devil man, you're gonna be Vader. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's what they needed. They needed Arnold and, and Phantom. Oh, Menace. can you imagine that? He was a Qui-Gon. But um, no, at last, I, I we reveal ourselves very... the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. It's <laughs> not a good Arnold, but no, that's um, right. <laughs> no. But I, I remember seeing it. It was a lot of fun, and you know, at, at that age, especially, you're not critical of these movies, and I think that's especially, why oh, no. we're like even as even movie. as we've gotten older, <laughs> and you know, we've explored more of again the OG, seeing these new movies we've had these tv shows now and you know the spinoff movies there's so many people that kind of view these prequels in like a very negative light and i think because it came out in our youth we still find like a very special place for these movies because 
I actually don't know if I saw any of the original movies come out in the re-release in theaters. I definitely had the VHS copies of the special editions, but this well could have been, from what I remember, my first Star Wars movie on a big screen. It had a huge impact on me for that. And it is like very colorful and there's you know a lot of great action. And yeah, Darth Maul, of course, that whole and fight scene is still one of the best fight scenes in any movie, period. And what a cool bad guy. Chills. And what a different bad guy time. from what a different bad guy, you know, from mm-hmm. Darth well, Vader and in, in, in these these lightsaber fights, you know, where it's used to the the original was so like very wooden and very, you know, you know yeah. I'm gonna fight you, you know. Uh, you know, so we go to this one. It's like people are doing flips and you know all kinds of crazy shit. I'm like, what is happening? And then this one though, there was so many great you know characters. Even at the time, I loved Jar Jar. I was you know nine years, eight years old. I'm like, this is great. You know, Wada was my favorite. Oh yeah, you know, like this. You know, like you know. It's my Wada impression. Oh yeah, it's the little little. He walks into a He just walks into Tatooine's Seven Eleven. That's the little jingle and walks in. But. But yeah, and it was just these little references that we were kind of like, okay, I think for our little brains, we were piecing everything together. Like, okay, he's going to become Vader. How's this going to happen? C-3PO, he made C-3PO. Like, that's really cool. I think it was just fun kind of piecing, like, how this is going to be. And then, again, one of my favorites, you know, tell about the lightsaber, but the pod race scene. Oh, my God. I was like, and seeing that in theaters, and you're like, and just like, holy crap. Yeah, that's 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 one of my notes from my rewatch this weekend is that uh, if if nothing else, the pod racing sequence in episode one completely holds up even oh, yeah. 20, 22 years later. I mean, you can nitpick that it's 19, uh, you know, that the, oh, the computer graphics aren't as good, but it's like it was 1999. This was cutting edge at the time. And to like just integrate the real action of Jake Lloyd in that cockpit being surrounded by all these other pod racers and him reacting to it and the sophistication of all, I mean, and yes, there were a lot of, they, the prequels get knocked a lot for their use of special effects, but it's also at a time when we're creating these fantastical worlds and bl- doing it against blue screen and doing it with the CGI allowed Lucas to really expand what we knew Star Wars to and, be. And this was his vision, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and we still think back to like, what if he did it in the actual order it was supposed to be? If we had the original trilogy, you know, 70s, 80s, you know, imagine what the OG trilogy would have been like had it been made, you know, today. It would have been very, very different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. And there's definitely some practical effects. With, he still did use practical effects within the prequel trilogy. It was just a lot lessened because of the possibilities given to him via CGI and blue screen. Um, yeah. It, but yeah, the pod racing scene just completely holds up and it's a thrill, especially then like, I remember on my VHS, I sold my VHS of episode one. I tore that thing to shreds cause I watched it so many times, but on that that pod racing sequence i think was a theatrical cut which is shorter than what you get now with the dvd releases or the cut that's on disney plus right now it's a little it's a little bit expanded you see a little bit more of sabol but you they do a mm-hmm. lot more introductions of different care of the different pod racers but i think that in the original theatrical release it was shortened because of just timing just timing well it definitely like you know you look at 
a lot of movies will have some crowning like this is your big like as we would say with like Disney, you know, old Disney rides, like this is your e-ticket experience. This is like the, mm-hmm. like, this is the big showstopper. That really is the pod, pod racing scene. And I think it's a very smart scene because, you know, we're, even though we know the path that's going to be ahead of him, we have to kind of get a sense in his young age of what he can do. And because he hasn't really discovered his ability with the force yet, we know that he's a very good pilot, something he's going to pass on down to his son. So we have to see him know how to use skills at the age of like eight that he can like maneuver. Like, you know, I love that whole, the whole like beginning of the race is really powerful <laughs> because I love that, you know, of course, Sebulba pulls a, a little thing and then, you know, he, his thing doesn't start and yet he's able to, you know, beep, 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 get it going. And then he like takes off and you can see that he's, he's skilled with that. And he's eight years mm-hmm. old. Of course, he's living in a world where, he's not educated to go to school because he's a slave and that's a whole, you know, thing there, but person and his name is Anakin. Oh, Um, (laughs) But you know, it really, it's a powerful, it's a really powerful, like this whole big blockbuster moment. And it's, it's made for some games. And I've been surprised actually, maybe, maybe at some point they will, but I've been kind of hoping that in uh, these new movies, whether it's a spinoff movie or whatever we get, I'd love to see podcasting, uh, podcasting. That's what we do. I'd love to see pod Star racing Wars podcasting. Oh, da, 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 oh, yeah. Welcome to the yeah, it's, just Vader. it's just Vader doing it and Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> no, I would love to see like pod racing come back nowadays in a proper um, video. And like, with, especially with the CGI, with the mix of practical we have today. Um, Cause that, that, you know, it's probably on more planets than just, Tatooine, you know, I'm sure it's another uh, system. Well, they have it on Malastare, very fast, very dangerous. There you go. Well, there's so, gonna be a lot of reference there. Soon, coming soon from Lucasfilm, Fast and Furious, Star Wars, Malastare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had to, I had to like go like a little backdrop. I don't know if you guys felt this though. You know, going back and watching it recently, and remember when I first saw it, there's something about the atmosphere in Episode One that it's a little like at times a little like kind of creepy very mysterious like yeah and like you the first whole like bit where they're like you know they're 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 piling when qui-gon and obi-wan on the ship it's a little creepy i mean they're like it's a little fast-paced action then they go down and the gungan world's a little creepy you've got the the you know just certain scenes that there's an interesting atmosphere that that movie kind of gives off for like the the first half of the film and then it kind of you know it but i think I think that also goes to what John Williams, you know, created in there. And again, I'm going into music. We got to talk about one of the most epic scores of this new, of the prequel trilogy, which of course, Duel of Fates. Wow. Like what a, what a score. Still to this day, like if I'm running or doing something, ha 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 ha. I'm just like, <laughs> you, you, you uh-huh. do it in your head. <laughs> like the proper mm-hmm. nerds who like work out and stuff. Well, I think yeah. as, as you guys were saying that, you know, as these movies do sometimes get panned because of the overuse of the CGI, I think actually there is really this kind of interesting like color palette to these movies that are very, um, they're like brighter and more comic book like than I would say like the original trilogy. And in a way, it kind of does give it this like, there's a, there's a sense of hope through the movies, but there's also a sense of like hidden dread in the movies because we know that eventually we're going to be creating this monster. Even though you know by the end of these movies, Anakin's going to, you know, become Vader, there's still like part of you that like fights for him to not become Vader as you're watching this film. You're like, maybe there's a yeah. chance that he will come out fine. There's also the element that you really see 
just how well Palpatine's plan worked and him, him scheming and playing everyone. For really a, such a mastermind character that was so well performed and is pretty well written overall. And the fact that some people were really shocked, they didn't really understand that that was the Emperor uh, in some of it. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I, guess... I, didn't, I didn't know until like, I think Revenge of the Sith, I looked back like, that was the same actor. I like, but, like, it's it. really yeah. cool that they, you know, they, they really use this, these movies to have little moments and William's score in there where it's kind of eerie and creepy. And we're getting the sense of the master plan at work to get to what he ultimately wants, which is, you know, the Sith to take over the world, essentially, the universe, the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, John Williams' score um, for episode one, I think think his score for episode one is probably the best of the three. Um, Because in listening, in like, you know, watching Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith uh, this weekend, um, there are a lot of themes that carry over from episode one into two and three. And for me, when they, when that happens, it's, I, I'm not saying that John Williams is lazy in any respect. And if anybody tries to come at me for this, you hack. Will, uh, no, but it, you know, it's like, I'm, I, when talking about the score, um, I'm, I was listening to just the way that the themes fall together and the way that they work with the story that's going on. The repeating of the score, you know, harkens back to episode one. And so it's like, for me, the score and the way it's mixed with episode one just blows it out of the, blows two and three out of the water. And, and of course you get like introduction, like the new music brought in episode two and three is great, but like the, the duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan in episode three, there's a lot of elements of duel the fates, which was introduced mm-hmm. to us in episode one. If anybody's interested, go and watch Dave Filoni's Dave Filoni. explanation <laughs> explanation on season one of um the mandalorian behind the scenes show i think it's episode two but he goes into like a 10 to 15 minute explanation that george lucas gave him about why like what the duel of the fates what that duel was about and it's about the it's all about duel about the fate of anakin is to make the long story super short qui-gon is fighting knowing that he has to win this in order to make sure Anakin is on the right path. And then when he dies, it's the dark side essentially wins and sets Anakin on this path going on. So in the way that John Williams expresses that in the music with the choral arrangements, with just the the quick um, string movements, the sim- just that simple melody. The first time you hear it, it's just like, it's an oboe. It's just, or or a French horn or something. It's just a kind of like very light. It doesn't mm-hmm. come into like bombastic until later. And I mean, that shows a lot of the genius of John Williams and how he writes music in the first place. It's just yeah. brilliance. Um, but yeah, that was like, my first note that I wrote down as wa- I was watching was John Williams score. Brilliant. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and then there's also adding, you know, a bit of the, you know, the chanting and the, the vocal work in these ones mm-hmm. compared to the original trilogy. Like, these movies with that music makes it very operatic because it is a bit of a space opera, um, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of hammers it home with this this music in this this film. Now I have to bring up before we move on to episode two something that I think that we all might have different theories on or takes on. But you did mention that you know Taylor said even as a kid you were a fan of Jar Jar. We all kind of find a soft spot for Jar Jar. He obviously was there 
intended for comedic effects and to be, you know, an alien creature and, you know, with CGI. Oh, and, no. You know? But no, I have to bring this up. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at because I'm about to bring up something and you probably laugh it or hate it, but like, are you if you re- if you watch the movie, it really makes sense. Do you think this theory pans out? Do you think that Jar Jar was meant to be more of a secret Sith character and in the end, after the after the panned reviews of the character, George Lucas pussied out essentially and decided to change course for two on, and that's why we got Christopher Lee in the movie as Lord Tyrannus. Because there's moments in episode one, you can watch YouTube videos on this, and you can watch people breaking it down. There's certain moments in the movies in the in the first movie that really kind of plays out that he's not just some Gungan that he has a little bit more abilities than I'd say Gungan has. He always somehow survives death and he's got moments where it looks like he's using the force at times. Thoughts on that? (laughs) I concede the idea and the theory that Jar Jar Binks was intended for a bigger role in episodes two and three. And I, I think that that was the original plan and you're right. I think in with the, uh, there probably was a, a right turn or a left turn somewhere after reviews really didn't like Jar Jar. Personally, I do not buy into the idea. I, the buy into the idea that he would have been a Sith character uh, in this way, I'll be a doubting Thomas. Unless I saw it happen, I wasn't necessarily going to believe it. But to theorize it about it now, I mean, it's it's an interesting theory. I've seen those videos and I see what they're talking about. Um, it's very possible. I don't, but because it wasn't something that was brought to fruition, I generally just kind of, dis, I, I generally dismiss that theory. Um, people are welcome to believe it, but it's not something that I, that I believe in. Not, no, not really. I want to go on a, I want to go on a different like fan theory tangent. Um, and I agree with you, Tim. Like I didn't really think much of it until, I mean, years later we look at, I mean, we were, a lot of people were hoping for the the new trilogy. Oh, it's Jar Jar. I think they would have appreciated that oh, more gosh. if Jar Jar was behind it. Uh, it would have been funny. <laughs> Misa <laughs> back! Um, it was like creepy, just like... <laughs> um, which is kind of funny because in the in the Clone Wars series, there's a there's one of the episodes where Jar Jar, they think he's a Jedi and he looks a little creepy with the little hood. I was like... Oh my gosh, that's right. You know what I'm talking about? So, um, yeah. The whole idea of Anakin being you know, created by the living force. It really, I didn't like the whole Messiah thing. Cause it was like, that was a little kind of silly for me that what happened was actually the real truth that Palpatine was actually Anakin's father, that there was something, you know, that, you know, when his mom was like, Oh, there was no father. Like there was some like dark stuff. And I think that have been add a little bit more, make it a little darker that maybe he, you know, um, knew his mother. I don't know. But I, I would have liked that. That theory would have made it interesting. It would have made more sense. And it would have been kind of like, you know, he's been planning this from the get-go. You know, like truly, you know. I, I That was an interesting theory that I was hoping that would have been a real thing. Um, And actually, like, I remember hearing that theory too. And I, at least I've accepted that as headcanon. But not necessarily in the sense that Palpatine, like, met Shmi one time and they had a, they had a night together. And that's how it happened. I always... One night in Tatooine. <laughs> and and the world's your oyster um but like the idea that palpatine utilizing the skills that um he learned from darth plagueis 
who was his, who Sidious learned from Plagueis about how to create life. They, I think it was either Plagueis or Palpatine that manipulated the midi chlorians to create the life inside of Shmi Skywalker. I don't, I, I, but I think that is part of, that's my head canon. I, it may have been explained in like a, one of the books that has come out, but it's definitely, but I agree with you, Taylor, that it would have been better like if we had gotten an answer to that within the film. Yeah, it was, just, it was to, just kind of like, throwway dialogue. Theory outside. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I actually, reading that, that, that theory came up a lot uh, as we were getting into Rise of Skywalker, because a lot of people were theorizing, you know, who is Rey, what's Rey's lineage, and a lot of people were saying that maybe Rey is product of the same kind of life that Anakin was, that maybe she didn't really have parents, and that she was kind of born of the Force, which is why she has all these powers, it's just that she it kind of lay dormant in her because she didn't think of anything, that she was, you know, someone like that. Um, so it does make sense because I feel like even though the force is very powerful and we keep hearing these things of like people can survive death, uh, you know, we, we still didn't really get enough explanation in Rise of Skywalker, why Palpatine was back. It was kind of, you know, was there and you can kind of go into that thing. But the thing is, it's like, (laughs) we maybe needed a little more for that. Like there had to have been at least some kind of father element whether that was someone that's very powerful or not. And then, yeah, maybe Palpatine used, you know, a surrogate essentially kind of situation to have someone that would, you know, create life and he could kind well, of- clearly he got jiggy because he has a granddaughter. So that's what I'm saying, you know? And if you want to check that out, check out Palpatine's pickup lines <laughs> from last year's episode <laughs> on the sequel trilogy. Complete. With regards, last, before we leave episode one, um, how do you guys, first of all, I love the look between Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi when Padme reveals herself to the Gungans. I admit, they just like, like she goes, no, I, you know, no, I, this is my decoy. I'm, I'm Queen Amidala. Yeah. And they just kind of like share this look of, all, I love the memes that I come out of it. it. It's like, you owe me five bucks yeah. or, you know, <laughs> things like that. I love that. Um, also, how do you feel about them changing the puppet? to digital when it comes to Yoda in episode one, because they had a puppet from the original theatrical release, the original, and then they switched it to- um, Keep it consistent with the- to with CGI two to, after they released two, they went and they started releasing one. They put the digital look of Yoda from episodes two and three on into those frames. I prefer the digital mm-hmm. replacement for one only because Although it was it was nice to think they were trying to honor the lineage of obviously Yoda in episode five and six was a puppet. It they tried to make some kind of puppet that looked like a younger-ish version. I mean, again, this is only like 30 years. It's not like it's a long time, but like it looked so not great. And yeah. like he really, if he's someone that's 900 years old it's not like he ages in 30 years to that much of a difference. You probably don't really notice. I'm sure by the time he hit 800, he's going to look the same until he's maybe just at the end and dies. So like he looked so like different and like, it looked more rubbery and bug eye look too. And bug eyed. And I'm like the, the way they designed Yoda digitally for two and three actually looks pretty good. And so I think it was just a better smart way especially if to think of new audiences, they're like kids are going to watch it for the first time. It just makes it consistent for them. 
And then I think it's smart that, you know, for those that really still want that puppet element, you get that small moment in Last Jedi. And then, of course, with The Mandalorian, most of the time with Grogu, it is, you know, a puppet. Every now and then it might be a little digital, but it's like, you know, yeah. it's very like they kept, they kept that right there for you. So mm-hmm. you get that lineage when you want it, but it was a smart move for that uh, because yeah. it definitely was... Um, it, it just and if if worse than Yoda was the the chick Yoda looked even worse. Good guy. Oh Yaddle, Yaddle. yeah. Was it Yaddle? Others oh, Yadel. I've always said it's Yaddle. It might be Yadel. Whatever, I, whatever. She, she Yoda, Yodel, whatever. Get brown hair out of there. Yoda. What happened to her? You know, that was like. But I will um, say before before we move on to two, I really you know as a lot of these characters are gonna stay on. Um, major props to Liam Neeson. He really was well cast as Qui Gon Jinn. Absolutely true. You know, it was really, that was a smart move to knowing we're going to cast a a good actor is going to stay through the trilogy as Obi-Wan, but we needed, you needed a top notch actor to kind of be the master. And he really, he really, he, he, it's like such a different role for him. He's so Mm -hmm. uh, peaceful and, you know, we're so used to the Liam Neeson now that's, I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. He's not that at all. He's very peaceful and calm. And he was the corner. He was the heart of that film. You, and I really, oh, I really hope, I really hope that he will show up as a Force Ghost in the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Uh, we don't I have any confirmation that yet, but um, that'd be really great if we got him to come back at some point. Because uh, you know he was a great character, and we've only had the one movie with him. So yeah. props to props to Liam Neeson, he was awesome. So we're gonna take a quick little break here, and then we're gonna come back and talk about Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. All right. Well, we're back. Here we are, folks. We're back talking about the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. So then we had three years go by and we finally got in the summer of 2002. We had episode two, Attack of the Clones. What what are your, again, early thoughts of thinking, oh, here we go. We're getting in the, the middle movie now of this trilogy early trailers or posters or anything you remember the hype building up to part two um i was so 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 excited for episode two because i loved episode one i always felt that i was i'm a star wars nerd as everybody who's heard me on this podcast knows i grew up with it i don't remember a time without it and so i was ready in 2002 for um episode two to come out and just to, and to see like what just what was next what new lightsaber what new lightsaber cool thing was going to happen um and also like you know remembering from episode four when obi-wan mentions the clone wars and that you know i i i was a jedi with your father you know he we fought together in the clone wars so you knew the clone wars were happening and with a name with a title like attack of the clones you're like because since you have no idea how the clones fit in up to this point, what does the what does Attack of the Clones mean? Does it mean that the clones are the bad guys or the clones are the good guys? You do, you don't know. And there was this cool scene in that trailer because they're like, oh my gosh, these are the precursors to the stormtroopers. When you saw that armor, mm-hmm. you were like, oh my gosh, this is this is like okay. Now we're kind of seeing, you know, and it was very well. Again, these each movie trickles in very well. It's not like. By the third movie, oh, it all clicks in place. It is it is very methodical 
George Lucas was and kind of slowly trickling, you know, little by little. And he was really, really well done with like picking characters that would come up later. Like again, you know, we've get, uh, we get Django Fett, we get Bubba Fett, which is a, was kind of a clever way of kind of like the template, but it, it was funny at the time. Cause that made me wonder, so wait, were stormtroopers all clones? You know, and it, I didn't get, that was, that would confuse me at the time. But then I realized later that, you know, anyone who could enlist would be, you know, clones weren't practical anymore, but I thought that was kind of a, that was the, one of the coolest things that I was excited about seeing. Oh, there's the connection to the original trilogy right there. Yeah. This, this is where you start to really, you're starting to put more of the puzzle pieces together. Uh, there's enough set up in episode one to get like, okay, this is Anakin, uh, you know, potential future love here, you know, kind of, okay, we want Kenobi's going to, you know, become a Jedi master and he's going to train Anakin. You get enough of the steps and also, okay, uh, there's this guy Palpatine. He's really trying to climb the, the power ladder here. And then we know that there is the, the Darth Sidious in the background. And now that Darth Maul has been defeated, who is maybe going to be his next and, you know, and this is actually, I think, interesting thing about Attack of the Clones is this is the, this is the longest time jump between movies in a trilogy. I think at this point it's supposed True. to be what ten years, right? Ten years. Well, for, ten years think, yeah, we're thinking, you know, Anakin was at like what eight? Eight, and he now he's, he's probably more like eighteen, nineteen. I think it says like I haven't seen her in ten years. Um, yeah. yeah. But I this was this was a big years, deal master. too because this was the this was the huge announcement of we we finally have our who our actor is going to be for the pivotal two films, uh, Hayden Christensen to play Anakin Skywalker. And I got to tell you, this is a, a guy that has, has gotten so much hate for a role that I still can't see anyone else doing at that time. And he was a fresh face. He was a new face. Even though there's a great overarching story of Anakin mm-hmm. from kid to Vader, yeah, there's dialogue in these films that, you know, Lucas wrote these and he's not the, he's a good storyteller and a good visionary. He's not the best with like every moment of dialogue. And so I think it's some lines that were given sand. that. Yeah, I hate sand. But, but it's you know what? And it's coarse and it let's, gets let's, everywhere. Let's talk about, let's kind of talk about that. If you think about there, there is a little bit of like genius to that because Anakin is not supposed to have any social skills because he's no. essentially living as a monk. So he's That's got true. this girl he hasn't seen in 10 years. And, you know, so he doesn't know. He has no game. So if you look at that, it was kind of like, I, I get like, it is kind of clunky dialogue and it could have been a little bit more suaver, but he is an awkward, you know, adolescent that, you know, he's, 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 he's rebellious and he, and all this, but he doesn't. He doesn't know how to process his feelings with this woman, and I wouldn't either. It's Natalie Portman. Um, hello. Um, so, so I look. I kind of went back and get flack when we go back and watch these films. So I kind of like. Everyone's like, I hate sand. I'm like, stupid dialogue. I'm like, I don't know what Keanu Reeves got in there, but no. Like, I think you you have to look at it from that perspective. Like these guys are monks that are not supposed to be attached. Obi Wan's got a little more game, but you know, I mean, he had Qui Gon. You know, he he was a little more world traveled. I think that you have to look at that like again. He there's a lot of range of emotion with these two coming two films and Attack of the Clones. There's a lot for him to to work with in here. So he definitely had his work cut out for him for that role because it is it is a tough defining role. But again, he made it his own because we don't really know what Darth Vader was like when he was just a moody moody teenager. You know, it's hard for us to fathom. This is the guy that's gonna you know kill thousands of people and. 
you know, be in that suit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, I, that's, that's my not forgiving, but it's kind of my trying to understand like, okay, this kind of makes sense in the term of the character and the way of the Jedi. I definitely agree with you on that Taylor, like in rewatching it now, it does hit that way. He doesn't have any social skills. You know, everything you said, absolutely true. And what I found, something I found interesting that's um, related to the writing of Attack of the Clones, it is episode one and episode three are written and directed by George Lucas. Episode two is only directed by George Lucas. He had help writing the screenplay, actually. Oh. Um, apparently, Jonathan Hales... Oh yeah, I see that. Um, credited credited as being a screen uh, screenwriter to refine creator George Lucas's script into its final draft. I just that that's more just like a little fun tidbit about like these movies. Yeah. Like, still goes into the larger story that you know you have. We talk about you know Lucas is not the best director. He has these great visions. We may have mentioned this back when we did the sequel trilogy, but my opinion on the prequel trilogy, the way that it fits within Star Wars canon. It's that this trilogy is the one that fits together the best because you had a single director from beginning to end following their vision in the original trilogy. You had Lucas directed the first one and like half of the third one. And then you had Irvin Kirshner and, um, and it is a totally different field. Richard Marquand, you know? yeah. a totally different field. And so they yeah. have their visions about how like Irvin Kirshner had his vision about how episode five was going to be. And it's brilliant because of that. The trill this prequel trilogy as a whole just flows so well together because you had that singular vision of lucas throughout the whole thing and going back to talking about hayden christensen being cast i mean it's such a pivotal role for not only these two movies but also for every single person who saw the original star wars trilogy back in 77 80 and um, 83 because all of them want to know who Darth Vader was when yeah. he was younger. There's a lot of pressure and on that that legacy. Uh, there's such pressure on that, and he is a good actor. I've seen him like, I, like he's yeah, great I've seen him other things. Jumper. Oh yeah, Jumper's great. Jumper is so much fun, and he does so well with it. So it's like that's I always chalk up his performance a lot more to yes, his being young, but also just George Lucas is not the strongest director. You I think know, it's, it's also I think the also hard part was because of that time jump we have to think that we're jumping off of this character 10 years later, who now yeah. is pretty much at, you know, not yet quite his peak, but like he's pretty close to his peak in terms of a Jedi. Like, and because yeah, him being this teenage presence and him kind of being like, there's not anything else that my master can teach me. I'm actually, you know, he already has these thoughts of I'm actually more powerful than him. Now I'm actually further than him but he doesn't see, he doesn't let me do it. And it really is also that, that weird thing of, he kind of is like a father figure for him. And the fact that Anakin never had a father. So like, there's all these elements. And then yes, mixing the fact that he's a horny teenager and he's seen the girl that he's thought about for 10 <laughs> years, finally for the first time. And how has he talked to her? And, he, and he's been given the duty to protect her. So he's been given really a babysitting job, which in his opinion is probably low security low risk but he's like i'll do it because you know it's padme and i'm in love with her but then it kind of turns into more of a you know thrilling adventure and so there's there's all these elements and speaking of like a cool like it's not quite the same as like the the pod racing it's not to that um, extent but there's a really cinematic epic opera you know 
quality to the whole sequence of him going to find his mom. And like, this is like a really big turning point in the movie where we first really get like early Vader. Like we get the early sense of how far Mm -hmm. he's willing to go when his emotions really get the better of him. And I like those steps. And I like how we see that kind of, you know, it's going to kick into the rest of the movie and then especially in the three. So yeah, it's not like not, you know, world-class Oscar winning dialogue, but really at the time, it's like, I don't necessarily think a better, more experienced actor would have done any better in the same situation. And I think it kind of worked out that someone that was maybe a little not as experienced took that role because we kind of see him grow into three. He an exper- he's still inexperienced. He's still a Padawan. Yeah. So yeah, it does add to that. But yeah, two, two is kind of fun. It's got a lot of these different planets. Uh, something I think that the prequel trilogy did really well was each movie does have quite a bit of planets in it, um, which, you know, all the Star Wars movies tend to have at least two to three, but these ones have quite a lot, which is always fun. And again, that color palette's there. You know, Naboo, of course, is just beautiful and gorgeous and bright. But now we get we get Geonosis. We get this kind of tattooing sister planet that is like yeah, throw you, throws you off eerie. a couple times. Yeah, but you think it's the same. It's they're changing scenes. It's, <laughs> it's like, like very, it's very stunning, you know. I mean, um, if anybody who's traveled around the U.S. like in road trips will like know this, it's like the difference between the Mojave Desert and the um, like Ar- like Arches National Park, like up in like in all that area Utah, up in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um you know it's like well the mojave is you know like more traditional desert sand there's sand there's you know not much life Ge- and that'd be tatooine geonosis is much more rocky it's much you know provides like these it, the, these this palette and this template to build these huge stone cities out of the rock that just provide and then like that giant coliseum just and it's all orange. That's a very dominant color on Geonosis is that orange. And it really brings that, like that eeriness and that sinisterness to like, there's, there's something going on here that we don't know yet. And then we find out with brand new battle droids. Yeah. Even the Geonosians are a little creepy, little like bug people, like, you know, mm-hmm. hanging in the catacombs. Like uh, <laughs> I'm ready for <laughs> Disney to update. They're, they're going to update big thunder mountain railroad into a geonosis roller coaster that'd be awesome yeah, you're on these little um, forget the west we're gonna be in geonosis now but <laughs> yeah that planet was really cool and again it was a really fun like atmosphere that it allowed for some really eerie moments and this movie especially is a huge turning point not just for anakin but really we're also seeing more of the master plan of palpatine and how these clones are really going to play into you know, him essentially faking a war so that they need this army to to then, you know, kind of, and again with the Senate too, I think that was really cool that these movies really kind of took a neat idea of how to play, like, what are the politics mm-hmm. in Star Wars? And we've always yep. heard about, like, the Republic and the Senate and all this stuff. But now, like, this movie's really spell it out how, like, democracy works in and how he's slowly becoming more powerful and, you know, eventually going to become emperor. You know, you I mentioned know. the original trilogy, just the one little line, impossible, how will that be control? It's like, you know, like, what are they talking about? We don't care, these guys. That's right, yeah. And, um, yeah, the he, Lucas really explores the politics um, in, two and, in two and three. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot, I remember there would be a lot of articles at the time at, like, checking, like, basically, like, 
are these allegories for the Bush administration of the early 2000s or whatever? And it's like, can we just enjoy a movie and not have to compare it to modern day? And just in like, this is just an exploration of what can happen in a democracy when the wrong, when, you know, you have somebody who is really ambitious at the helm. True. Very and true. Bear in, and bear in mind, you know, this is all stuff that was established, you know, in Lucas's head, you know, back when, way back when, when he first started. So it's mm-hmm. not like, not like this all came out of nowhere. So, I mean, he really kind of had this idea in his head of what he wanted to do. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he probably had to fill out a few extra things throughout the trilogy to make them full movies. It's not like all of a sudden it was like 1998 and they were like, you want to do a trilogy on uh, Darth Vader? Oh, I guess I have to write that too. No, he he knew that from day he, one. He knew know? what the story was, yeah. what he planned the story to be. I also love how in episode two, this is when I just noticed it was always my young Padawan, my young apprentice, mm-hmm. my young Jedi friend, my old Jedi friend. You get a lot and it, it goes into um, it goes into episode three too, but it's, it's, a, it's interesting how the how you phrase it and how you say it there like a lot of, sometimes it's like oh yeah you know my you know my young jedi you know my my young padawan it's like it can be a loving thing but also like my young apprentice like you're like disappointed or my old jedi friend like like those those little stabs and mm-hmm. like the way that it's like they're they're trying to be so gracious because they're all nice jedi but it's just like that undertone of you know like i'm digging at you and trying to get you onto my side Aim at the fuel cells. Good call, my young Padawan. It is funny that, like, in Star Wars, I mean, it kind of makes sense. But, again, this whole element of, like, knights is a very big theme. You know, like, they're knights. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, like almost like knights around table. There's no, like, cursing. Like, like they're not going to all of a sudden, like, you know, hey, you, F you. You know, it's like, that doesn't exist in this universe. No, I mean, like, like it is kind of like, these are, like, the polite jabs <laughs> they do at each other. But thinking mm-hmm. of, thinking of, uh, Ewan McGregor in this movie. This is really the we're really starting to see the we're starting to see the the elements of of him. You know, he was really I love you know reading him or watching interviews with him saying you know it was him taking on the character and not wanting to be like I'm not going to be trying to be a carbon copy of Alec Guinness, but you have to still honor the character that eventually would be like that. And we get a little more of that in the three. We start to see those little mannerisms of how he talks, and there really is I think as much as there was a great bond between Liam Neeson and Ian McGregor, there really is a fun, playful kind of banter and bond of master and Padawan between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I mean, like there is some fun, like them kind of being on adventures together. And then like, you know, eventually when they get to the arena and he's like, this is your idea of saving me, you know, this is your guy who rescued me. Good job. You know, it's kind of, it's <laughs> Remember that nest cheeky, of gun docks? that kind of cheeky British humor in a way of how they put down each other. But this is also hilarious. This is the movie. This is the hairdo on Obi-Wan oh Kenobi. Oh my gosh. Where people keep that, mistaking that him for Jesus. This is his kind of like rockin', <laughs> rockin' hair, the long hair. Rock me, and rock me, actually, rock me, Obi-Wan Jesus. <laughs> people have actually mistaken Ian McGregor for Jesus. Now, he did do a biblical movie where I think he did play Jesus. There, you could, there's, there's like jokes where people put a picture of him from episode two and be like, it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And I'm like, no, that's, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's, 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 um, that's not now I think a great a great additional character in this film that you know because Jar Jar was definitely put off to be just a small bit part now for two and three uh, we did get great character actor Christopher Lee 
to come into this movie to be a new villainous character. And just rewatching two today, he's so commanding with the way, you know, he has that great deep voice and he's very, he knows how to speak very well. And it, it's, it was a, a smart casting choice to have someone like him. I think a lot of these movies have these kind of veteran actors come in and, um, and he's a fun little character. The only thing that really does not hold up with his character is in the fight scenes when it's clearly like a CGI Tyrannus <laughs> fighting. Wow. Um, but I mean, I mean the, Christopher Lee's the man old. was like, in his what seventies. <laughs> I don't do my own stunts. Um, so, but um, what do you guys think of that character being kind of like, you know, again, this is ten years later, and we're getting more of the theory too of you know uh, Master Sifadius and how like the clones were made and how Tyrannus has kind of become now like Sidious's you know kind of like well yeah, you know was, second in command good. if you will. And there's a good contrast between Darth Maul, who's just pure rage, and then this is more mm -hmm. of a very sophisticated side of Count. You know, the he's a count, side. you know. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, oh wow, he's almost he's almost quite charming. Like, um, yeah, I'll join you. How are the cookies? You know, like what's 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 going on with? Uh, you think real quick? I, I just I don't know why I just thought about this now. Do you think they named him Count Dooku because Christopher Lee is so famous for playing Dracula so many times? That's why they made him a count. Because there's no or is other that just counts, coincidence. There's no other counts in Star Wars. I, 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 I don't know. I could not. I, can, I, I have a vast store of Star Wars knowledge, and that is not part of it. I just wonder if they, I wonder when they were naming the character, they were like, let's make him a count. But anyway, continue. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Um, no, I was just saying, I just, it, he just adds a sophistication. You know, caliber of actor. We're talking about, you know, Liam Neeson in episode one, but, and then Christopher Lee for this role, it was just, it was just spot on. It was just well done. And you, uh, when you kind of like are enamored by the villain, it just makes the, the, the villain just so much better to watch on screen. Yeah. And, and especially, you know, Christopher Lee has, has been around for, you know, decades upon decades. Uh, by the by this point i mean yeah like you said he'd been dracula he had in the hammer horror films and everything and he'd been around for a long time but keep in mind that episode two is released right after the two towers mm -hmm. he is coming off of having done he, he filmed this right I'm, I'm pretty sure he filmed this right after he filmed lord of the rings so his name became you know box office gold or box office gold in a way again because he was part of like these two huge franchises and i totally agree he brings this very suave very sophisticated um feel to that character and to that side of the villain because you know like you said maul is complete rage he doesn't he can't negotiate he can't you can't use him to you know, try to start a war. You needed somebody who had that um, that clout that Dooku had as being a you know former Jedi who left the Order and and just like who and he was always known as very being a very wise Jedi. Um, and the fact, and then you like within that Geno those Genosis scenes, you find out that not not only is Qui Gon Obi Wan's master, who was Anakin's master, but you find out that. Count Dooku was Qui-Gon's master. And then you find out that Yoda was Dooku's master. So then it's yeah. like, there's that, you have that lineage from Yoda straight down to Anakin. 
um, which I, I've all, I've always found that just to be so cool in the way that they just like stacked it. That way. even though in the even though in the original trilogy, he Obi Wan does say Yoda was my master, but I guess Yoda's kind of like a master to everyone. No, but he's he was like, like instructed. He's kind of like mega he master. Well, he instructed him. He's the you dean. Know? He's the and dean of the Jedi Academy. Team Yoda. He was the he was the grand ma- he he's like was the, the grand, grand master, master yeah. of the Jedi Order. So, um, and speaking of Yoda, we, <laughs> from a certain point of view, yeah, he's like, was he's his like, master. Oh yes. you will go to the Dagobah <laughs> system. Jedi master instructed me. Instructed you what? Time still my favorite, year. still one of my favorite Mark Hamill lines. <laughs> From a certain point of view, <laughs> aka you lied to me. I know, it, but it adds a good dollar there. But talking about Yoda again, and we were we were talking about this in the rewatch. Um, oh my god! One of again, one of those moments you were sitting in theaters. I'll never forget when I was there watching this. Yoda kicked some serious Jedi butt and finally wield the lightsaber. Well, this is something that we would. We didn't know that we want. We knew we wanted it, but it wasn't something that we had to see. But we had inklings that mm-hmm. this possibility. We didn't know we were going to get it. No, that, that was, was it was one of the thing. that talk about twist. I'm your father. This was a good twist. <laughs> oh, it's something that, like, to my knowledge, this was, it was this was a complete reveal. They didn't put any of Yoda's dueling into the trailers, and at this, and at this time, you know, the internet is still a budding thing. People aren't on social media. Um, you know, you have, you start, you get started on these message boards, you have all these fan message boards about Star Wars. So you have a lot of people looking at those, but there's a specific group that's looking at those. So to walk into that theater and two hours in all of a sudden, you know, Dooku is wielding this pretty wicked curved blade lightsaber. And you're trying to figure out how this works. And he just like, you know, and he says to Yoda, you know, um, it looks like this We'll come down to our skulls with a lightsaber. And he does this flourish, and Yoda just steps back, opens his robe, uses the force to get the lightsaber and ignites it. And then he becomes a Tasmanian devil whirling dervish. I'm just oh. like, yeah. so, it really is, I think, it. something that, you know, you, you did say that even though maybe the music and times did not play up to, you know, the full scale of what you wanted in Phantom Menace. That is still one of the most uh, iconic moments musically because it's just like this. Yeah, it's so epic. But him just, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you we always view Yoda as this wise, cute old master. Little, little cane. Yeah. You're going, okay, he's like 900 years old. So like you're thinking, well, he's pretty old, but he's got to be like, he's one of the strongest, you know, people of the force, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fact that he just drops that cane and he is, flying around and spinning and flipping and you're going holy (laughs) crap like he is amazing and then of course there's always you know the bad guys always do a little bit of cheating and it's like then you know dooku escapes but it was it was definitely like the lightsaber fight that led up to it was nowhere the caliber of darth maul but that like two minutes was enough for us to kind of go wow that's that was what i wanted and needed and yeah and it yeah. just was epic. But, you know, thinking again of yeah. if episode one, really the kind of big showstopper moments really were the, the pod racing and then the Darth Maul fight, that huge section in Geonosis in the arena when all the Jedi show up. And that's really, a, it's a really powerful moment too, thinking of, you know, we got good old Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu. This party's over. <laughs> First time getting to see him, you know, wield the, the purple <laughs> lightsaber, which that was a mm-hmm. big deal. Everyone's like, there's a purple lightsaber. And of course 
he got that because he asked George Lucas, I only do it if I get a purple lightsaber. And of course, you're going to get Sam Jackson on. You get him a purple lightsaber. Absolutely. Um, that is a great whole big battle section. And something that, you know, I think through the movie so far, original and the, you know, episode one, we don't ever see Jedi be like one on one. We had two versus we, one. Yeah, we had never the first seen, time getting like 40, yeah. you know, Jedi at once fighting. And it was really absolutely true. It's a very yeah. great action sequence. Yeah. I hope we get and, more of that in the future, you know? I'm sure we will. Um, that whole battle sequence, because you have all of that happening, you don't need a super long duel between Dooku and the others. And, and one of the things I loved about Yoda is that, you know, he's, he puts the cane down, he duels, he duels, he duels. Yeah. And as and soon as he, he saves it, then he just like gets, he gets the cane back and he starts limping again. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and, uh, all right, and I'm he, spent. I, all right. All right. You whippersnappers. I've done my bit. Your turn. Ibuprofen I need. I don't feel you will give me. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> your and, butts. Yeah. Oh yeah, that whole Geonosis like the and and then the way that they introduced the clones into it and having that big then the big battle sequence of clones versus droids with the blue and red bolts going back oh, and forth. Oh, so and cool! All and all of the the tank, all these new battle droids, all these new tank and spider looking droids. In addition to all the ones that they had in the battle between the Gungans and the Trade Federation in Episode One, it it, it was. A brilliant battle the only battle in movies and around that time that outdid it was like helm's deep to me helm's yeah. deep like the, the lord of the rings is in a class of its own but like this was like star wars battling which was awesome and it is kind of funny that the movies call attack of the clones and yet that doesn't happen until the very end of the movie <laughs> yep but, but again, it, it's that, that it's goes to that theory the there's that theory or not the theory but someone like did that thing on twitter where they're like all the Star Wars net titles are wrongly, wrongly put. Yeah, that was actually, that was really clever. I thought yeah. um, they, mm -hmm. they, they take all the titles and just put them to different movies and it actually works very well. I remember seeing that. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're left off, you know, it's like, all right, we got the, the, the Death Star plans are going to be happening. And we'll tease there. Which we'll is tease cool. there. And that was, that was a really cool. I love that sequence of, you know, way off in the distance on Coruscant is where, to, you know tyrannus goes to meet sidious and it's like way off in the boonies it's like you know you see the city way in the distance it's like oh out here in the the, the boonies and mm -hmm. great little scene there and then yeah it's like it all kind of sets up to now the, the clone wars yeah yeah and um before we go just have to mention we did mention briefly but you have the you get a backstory that sets up boba fett for everything for what happens in episode five when you first meet him because everybody want to know where does Boba Fett come from and to and I thought because I don't think at that point there had been anything really written or set up within headcanon or whatever the um, expanded universe about who um, Boba Fett was but to make him an unaltered clone of Jango Fett who was the spawn who spawned the clone army I thought was really interesting and just and, and it's like okay now you kind of see like why he became a bounty hunter why he has that armor why he fights the way he does has the sh and then you get that introduction to slave one um and just how awesome that is it's it, i love how they like how they based boba fett for this to go further and then going into the clone wars when he's you know trying to get revenge on mace windu for killing his father 
and he and his character comes into the Clone Wars series and to add on to his story. I just think it's fantastic. It's one of the one of the best visual moments of the entire movie is just that sequence when the, the whole battle has ended in the arena, and mm-hmm. then little Boba just grabs the helmet and puts it to his head, and like the way yeah. it's shot. It's so like a really cool, like chilling, like. There's a lot of great little like silhouette you know. shots in mm-hmm. throughout this throughout this uh, this trilogy. Here, I mean, even like you're talking about the iconic poster. I mean, look at the scene where Padme and Anakin are meet, and he's like, "I I need to go. I need to run off and find my mother." You see that coming up with his little with his hair. It looks like Darth Vader's helmet right yep. there. So, yeah, there's a lot of these great silhouettes, and I think that's something that Lucas and Spielberg do very well. They're good with the iconic in- imagery, you know, like you mm-hmm. see the Indiana Jones with coming in with the hat or, you know, the Darth Vader helmet. So it's just those little moments where it's like, you know, you see that and your brain recognizes. Though, So there was a lot of very smart visual uh, things with this these films going in. But, of course, we've got to wrap this up with the final one, and that is Revenge of the Sith. So I think we should take a little break here. I'll be right back to wrap up the prequel trilogy. Welcome back to the dating game from a galaxy far, far away. And here's your host, Pat Tween. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the dating game. We all we are very excited here, and we have a new bachelor with us who is ready to make his love connection. Please welcome to the show, Anakin Skywalker. Hello, Anakin, and welcome to the dating game. Hello, Pat. Thanks for having me. So, how this works is, I ask a series of questions about you, and hopefully one lucky lady will match with you based on your answers. Sounds good? I've got a bad feeling about this. Alright, let's play! So, first off, Anakin, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a Jedi. I'm a peacekeeper for the galaxy. Wow, a Jedi! You know what that means, ladies? He sure knows how to use the Force. (laughs) Well, from my understanding, you have to be taught the ways of the Jedi. Well, who was your master? His name is Obi-Wan. He is a fine mentor, but in many ways, he's jealous. He's holding me back. Jealous? But he's your master. Doesn't that mean he's stronger than you? One day, I will become the greatest Jedi ever. I will even learn how to stop people from dying. You heard it here, folks. He's looking for love in this life and the next. Let's move on. What type of lady are you looking for? From the moment I met her, all those years ago, not a day has gone by when I haven't thought of her. The thought of not being with her. I can't breathe. She's in my very soul, tormenting me. Well, seems you already have a potential match. Things been hot and cold, I take it? Well, I fell in love with her when I was eight, and then I didn't see her again for ten years. That's a really, really long time, Pat. Ten years? 
Such a long time. Didn't you think to move on? You're asking me to be rational. I know that is something I cannot do. Alrighty then. Well, and again, what planet are you originally from? Tatooine. Ah, the desert planet. Did you enjoy living there? Well, first off, my mother and I were slaves. And also, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. <laughs> that it does, Anakin, that it does. Where's your mother now? Is she proud to see her son become a Jedi Knight? She's dead. Well, well, I am... I am so sorry to hear that. She was captured by a group of sand people. I managed to track them down, but... I was too late. I... I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. Not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals. And I slaughter them like animals. I hate them. Wow. Uh, okay. Well... I wasn't strong enough to save you, Mom. I wasn't strong enough. But I promise I won't fail again. You heard it here, folks. His future mother-in-law is in good hands. Well, <laughs> thank you, Anakin, for coming on the show today. Any last thoughts for the ladies out there? Attachment is forbidden. Compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is essential to a Jedi's life. So you might say that we are encouraged to love. Wow, what a beautiful message. Call in now if you'd like a chance to date this fine young man here. We'll be right back after these messages with our next Young Bachelor. All right, well, we are back, and we're going to be talking now about the, the final film, Revenge of the Sith. Episode 3 it came out in 2005. Uh, of course, this is the pivotal movie here where we're going to finally see Anakin turn into Darth Vader. So, um, That's right. I will say this movie, you know, it's like I was I was pretty young, you know, I think going into sixth grade or so when um, finishing fifth grade when episode one came out. I was finishing eighth grade when episode two came out and I was in my junior year, I believe, finishing junior year when episode three came out. So at this point, I'm pretty like fully evolved nerd here and like really excited for episode three and definitely like Taylor was saying. These were the type of movies that you would go and see people get dressed up for it. And like, you know, pre the time when you would have people like nowadays, you know, a lot of theaters are you have to book specific seats. That wasn't really a thing during this time. It was like you'd book the midnight showing and usually the theater would have like every screen would show the movie and it just would be packed. But you would think they're like early in the day if you wanted really good seats. And Otherwise you're up would, really close and you're like. Yeah. And, you know, and the hardcore, hardcore people would camp out for weeks at the big cities to wait for the, the premiere or like, the, you know, the get movie. tickets or whatever. Just yeah. nuts. But um, yeah, episode three, this is a big deal. Um, so what were your early memories of episode three, the, the, the climactic end to this this prequel trilogy? Um, 
so I I got to go see it at the Cinerama Dome in uh, downtown Los Angeles, or is that Hollywood technically? Questionably R.I.P. Hopefully, questionably R.I.P. I I hope somebody takes yeah. uh, buys it and keeps it running because listen, it's such a great movie experience. Um, like I hope I hope it opens up so that like the three of us can go see something there because it's oh, yeah, just be something special. Um, but I remember I went I got to go see it there and they had in display cases in the lobby some of the lights they had like yoda's lightsaber insidious's lightsaber and i think anakin and obi-wan's as well um and plus some costumes which ended up i think actually uh the costumes were not from like official props the costumes might have been like donated by cosplayers and because i know i know one who donated costumes and i'm pretty sure he donated them for the cinerama dome for revenge of the sith Obi Sean Crosby, he has the Star Star Wars car in LA. If you find him, he's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, so seeing it there, and <laughs> I remember actually my uncle walking out to smoke a cigarette because he was so disappointed in it. <laughs> really? Oh, he he. When I mentioned earlier about like the amount of pressure that Hayden Christensen had on him because of fans of the original trilogy, mm-hmm. my uncle was so 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 angry at revenge of the sith because he had been waiting 30 years or 20 years to see how anakin becomes darth vader and to him he was like it was just for him it was anticlimactic for me i was just blown away by this is star wars and i love it um but Oh, oh, but yeah, I remember that. Those are those are my big memories that we were at the Cinerama Dome, and then my uncle walked out to smoke because he was just like, "I'm done with this. Forget it." <laughs> um, I I just remember, um, you know, going to see this movie. I was you know so excited because again, this was just like, you know, it was really cool because again, all three movies I had seen with family, so it was cool to see this with my. Uh, with my parents because um, my mom had taken me to pretty much all the Star Wars. I remember, you know, fond memories seeing again, the, the original trilogy and my grandfather at the time, he was like, we saw Yoda. Wouldn't you like one of those as a pet? Um, little do we know <laughs> Grogu years later. Um, right. But I remember just like from the very beginning, just the epic, you know, and pr- like a proper epic space battle. I mean, that's how like oh. it started with such a big, you know, crazy opening where, now the other ones had something like this where this was like this is like proper like this is a good start to it where you're like you're following the ships and all of a sudden when you obi-wan you're following obi-wan anakin ships and they just kind of turn over all of a sudden you're in the heart of the battle i'm like this is like nuts brilliant, brilliant opening brilliant opening from the crawl just fantastic i and we, agree with that. of course we get introduced to uh which uh, unfortunately in these movies you know we had gotten a little bit of what how scary and menacing he was in the cartoons and the series but we had general grievous uh, in this mm-hmm. film which i was pretty pretty excited about this character because when i saw in the um the cartoons they had around the time i was like oh man this is gonna be great and unfortunately he just wasn't um he wasn't as menacing i think as he could have been i think they could have made him a little bit more like scary mm-hmm. oh i love i love grievous he has asthma like me he has <laughs> asthma like me so does vader so um <laughs> No, you know what it is about these movies? It's because Star Wars is not violent. 
So there, there are moments where there is violence that happens to characters, but it's not like bloody and gory. And mm. I feel like Grievous was meant to be a character that would have gone into that category. Like he would go off and murder people in their sleep to get their lightsabers and like be that kind of assassin. But because of the, the way these films are made and they're kind of meant to be somewhat more family friendly, of course, you know, that kind of made him be a little more like wimpish in some ways. And yeah, it's like this movie to me is the best of the three and it has the, it has the most lightsaber fights out of any star Wars movie. And it has a lot of great star, you know, lightsaber fights in these movies. The one with Obi-Wan fighting Grievous is a really cool scene. Cause of course it was like, you've seen someone hold two lightsabers well, how about four lightsabers? And it was like, oh, it's like Goro from Mortal Kombat here. Yeah. Uh, but the rate at which he loses hands or lightsabers was so quick. It was kind of like, okay, I know I get it. Obi-Wan's very strong with the force, but this is like a little pathetic. Um, and so I think they they could have done more with him, but they needed someone to keep Obi-Wan occupied in that plot of the movie because we had to have Hayden. We had to have Anakin have time with Palpatine so that he would start to really get swayed into, um, you know, being the path he was going to be. I was going to say, though, before, you know, before this movie came out, the new movies, the new trilogy, something they do very, very well. They have some of the best trailers of all time. Oh, yes. The trailers mm-hmm. for the new movies are incredible. For these old movies, the prequels, like the OG trilogy... Actually, episode three had a really cool teaser trailer that I still love. Oh, yes. It started off with an image. It was it was uh, Sir Alec Guinness talking and doing that monologue. He talks to Luke. And while he's saying this monologue from A New Hope, they're showing like imagery from episode one and two and then leads into like episode three. And then we get a little bit of that Darth Maul, ha-cha-cha, ha-cha-cha, you know, and it's like, it really was like a, eerie like you know and then when you the, see anakin's eyes he has the sith eyes yeah and he's kind of yep. like sith eyes and it was really cool like all right we're going for it and i think it does for the most part pay off into that the thing for me that i think is is weak in terms of how it's filmed or i guess you know how it came to be is that moment when anakin is supposed to have turned and when he's like He's so confused of, do I help Mace Windu or do I do something to him because I need him? Because he, he thinks that Palpatine can help him save Padme if Padme was injured. It's such a very long, like, I hate movies where, like, usually it's like the bad guy, you know, is monologuing forever before an attack. And it was like, you know, I must do this. No, I need him. But uh, please, Anakin, don't, oh, don't I need him, please. And it goes so long. <laughs> it needed to be a lot quicker. And I think what have maybe worked better is there should have been a lightsaber fight between like Wind- Windu and maybe maybe Palpatine or Anakin. Or Anakin. Like, but it's this very just... like long and it's like kind of like, okay. And then he like chops his arm off and shoots him, you know, and then Sidious shoots him out the window and then it's all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm 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 team bad guy now. This, and I'm like, this is that okay. you you have hit the nail on the head of why my uncle was not the biggest fan. That's the, like the, he that, that's that scene is the reason why he was why he felt that And way. that's the only true like that is a weak scene for me in terms of this film. 
mm-hmm. and then there's just the dialogue before the final fight that is probably the weakest dialogue and action yeah the when movie. they're like going going back and forth back and forth yeah um de- definitely definitely agree and i one of the notes that i made as i was watching it uh today was that the scene that scene with windu and palpatine and anakin is almost a mirror image of what happened with dooku no 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 with dooku at the beginning of this film Mm -hmm. because you have you have basically mace windu has palpatine at his mercy and anakin's off to the side and anakin has to make this choice but when earlier he was saying no dooku should go to court should go to trial and palpatine's like no he's too dangerous we left alive kill him and so not only are not only is there the motive of palpatine can help me save padme but it's also a i mean i i think there's there's also that part like he's it's hearkening back to that other scene where he made the choice to kill in that moment um and it just kind of gets it gets reversed on him and yeah yeah there's that i I found a connection with that no it's good i like that well i will say i will say if there's some of the this movie it's funny for it having some of the weakest writing scenes of the trilogy it has one of my favorite like quiet talking scenes of the trilogy and of star wars period and that is at the opera uh the scene between palpatine and anakin at the opera where he's talking to him about have you ever heard the story of Darth Plagueis? It's very like, first off, it's visually very cool and creative. This weird space opera thing they're at, and it's like these weird like an opera in an opera, fish streams, what? you know. And then it's like just this haunting music, and it's like very like just very like epic. And I like, love that. I love that line too. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from, from a Jedi. Jedi. Um, oh yeah, it, what? it is it is a it is a great scene and actually in as anakin's running in it's the one time george lucas is cameoed in yep. one of his films he's the, and he's, he's blue the, he's blue <laughs> um yeah that, that opera scene and it just informs so much because like you're sitting there and you're like that's that's a first clue that he is this that he is sidious he is sith lord because he knows this story um and that and it's like when you realize oh especially later on as you do as me i do more research into all this it's like darth Plagueis was his master so he's telling the story of how his apprentice killed him in his sleep because that was me (laughs) that was me um i did i am the spy (laughs) i was uh, (laughs) i am the spy um i also just why does Palpatine Palpatine's makeup looks he looks so much older in episode two than he does in episode three before the change. Well, it's also the hairdo. Um, you know, they, they, they have that they cut. had a lot of he does look very pale though. Yes. Yeah, he like does. episode hmm. in episode two when he's like, Oh, you need protection. How about Anakin and, and how about Obi-Wan Kenobi? He has like the, he's like all super pale with like these blood, like you know, blood red eyes and and all you know like bloodshot eyes and everything he looks so decrepit and then episode three comes along and he goes he seems like he's ian mcdermott is like you know got himself uh well if you you think about it he also he he's been climbing the political ladder so he's been getting Mm -hmm. paid more so he gets more makeover time 
No, there's that too. Yeah. There probably is plastic surgery in Star Wars in the, in yeah. the galaxy far, far away. There's still people that probably do things to their face. Uh, and they, maybe, maybe they wanted him to be touched up more in a way. So then it was a much more drastic change when he becomes um, a pop tart. Uh, that's probably what they were thinking. <laughs> uh, they were like, <laughs> or uh, you know, something you know. the mic, or or the you know cheese pizza you put in the microwave too long. <laughs> I just always wish. I always wish there was a line. I just wish there was a line that when when Anakin turns and he's like, "You will now be known as Vader." Rise and just him being like, "So uh, how are you feeling? You you look pretty." What? There's something wrong with my face? It smells like burnt cheese. You uh, just feel your it, forehead for a second. My face? What? What's this? I have like deep, <laughs> deep wrinkles. Oh my god! Is it? That's not the worst of it, pal. You should go look in a mirror. That would have been a great funny scene, just like a that little would've... like you know. But no, that's not going to happen. But uh, deleted scenes, deleted scenes, deleted scenes. Um, okay, let's see what else. What else? In well, okay. Once, once Anakin does turn, yeah. Even though it is a weird, like we, we we've been seeing the building blocks. He's having nightmares. Obviously, now his his girl is pregnant. He he already had the loss of his mother. Now he doesn't want to lose Padme, and he has mm-hmm. you know still downing things about the Jedi and and his master and all this stuff. Once he does turn and he's like full on like villain mode for a while, there's some really dark stuff in this movie. I mean, it really is pretty powerful. I mean, um, hey, Master Skywalker, yeah, there are too many of them. What are we going to oh do? Oh my god, when you knew that, you're like, oh Die. no. And again, like, you think of that right there, right? The, the idea of Order 66. Man, Palpatine is a, he's a, he's a brilliant son of a gun. The music yeah. that John Williams brings into that sequence with the way they film it, although that one actress mm-hmm. who's like a Twi'lek, who, who yeah. is oh, the yeah, worst yeah. actress when she dies, but... The way that is filmed, Order 66, it is really powerful because you just think, good God, they really had no idea. And this master plan from dang, that guy's evil. He's killing all these Jedi. God, To think of the clones, they were made and they were programmed so that he could do whatever he wants with them to the point that he would get them to be trusted by the Jedi so that he could use them to kill them. I mean, it's like, and it was Mm -hmm. a very powerful scene the way they kind of did that montage um and then of course yoda again that really great moment of um i don't think so and then he like beheads the one guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah was beheads, pretty cool. beheads, but yeah um and and then you see him reacting to the pain like, his fellow jedi dying especially because you see like plo coon who is the jedi who dies in the uh in the in the starfighter kiati mundi who had the super tall head who had mm-hmm. been on the council for so long with yoda i mean as these people are dying they're all his um, friends. You, like, yo, you can, it, it's, it's like, it harkens back to episode four when Alderaan gets destroyed by the Death Star and Obi-Wan all of a sudden just like stops and goes and sits down and he, you know, like the, it's, it's as if a million voices cried out, were suddenly silenced. Like, just you, you can see the anguish because of how in tune the Force Yoda is to those friends of his. And it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> also just to think of a uh, yoda on kashik uh that was a really fun addition to this movie With, um yeah. getting getting to see where where chewbacca's planet is and like you know and, other yeah, wookies and george lucas originally wanted to have kashik in return of the jedi and that's right so it was kind of like this is this is the this is the time to have it and again that great you know connecting all the worlds and um and and just yeah and 
you know the sound effects on there i like i do like um the and i do like when they're on Utapa and uh, you got the when everyone's riding the little um komodo you know bird lizard oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know and, and of course you know uh, grievous has got his little um his basically giant wheel with legs uh, he rides away. Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. I know. Hot, hot, hot Wheel. In the way. Wheel. Yeah, His mechanical wheel. bagel donut. That he, he, he was he was doing the, uh, the the single wheel hoverboard long before everyone else. And I, oh, I love sure. I love I love when <laughs> I love when Obi Wan uses that blaster on him and he's like so uncivilized. Like yeah, just, but just like, tosses yeah. it away. And he really does. What you know? Obviously, he's still we're younger. About, we're talking about Alec Guinness. Yeah. Looking at the hairstyle and the, how he really looks in episode three, you really get the sense mm, of like, yeah. right, this, Hello is, there. this is, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's like, he's surrounded and he just jumps down. Ooh, hello there. Like, he's like, yeah. whatever, I got this. And in that civilized line, you know, it's, a, it's kind of, it can be a throwaway line, except when you think about it, you know, when he's describing the lightsaber, the lightsaber to Luke, you know, it's an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, just... He and he he has the hairstyle. He has the right length of beard. Now he has like the right lightsaber mm-hmm. of that matches what Alec Guinness had. I mean, yeah, it was. And the building Ewan blocks are, are just are great. He was great, and we, he was perfectly cast. And we're all and so excited that we get to see <sighs> more of him. You know, see more of that With that mid ground between what happened between. You know, and Hayden Christensen going to be back, so that'll be interesting. As Darth yes. Vader, yeah. Well, speaking of Christensen, let's go into, you know, we get him to Mustafar, uh, which is always, it's really cool to see the visualization of that, this kind of lava planet, this kind of volcano planet. Basically, literally hell on planet. Hell, yeah, it looks like a, and it's like, if you're going to have a bad gay, bad guy lair, that's the place to have it, you know, a bad gay lair, a bad guy lair. <laughs> bad gay lair. <laughs> We're a fan of all people, don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, but... Oh, I just love it. It's like, you know, go to Mustafar and uh, take them all out. And like they're like, but we made a deal. And I love it. No, it's serious. Rumors of peace. I love that. Boosh, Sorry, New Gun Ray. You're and not going like, to make it to episode four. Turns, you <laughs> ruined my wife's planet. Gosh. Just him like and turning like the, the guy, face. The guy like, in the background's like hide behind the table. Oh, like, yeah. I'm going to survive this. Weak. Weak. And talking about uh, his wife's planet. I was, you know, unfortunately, it was a little disappointing with with Padme's character. She's kind of just more of the role, like the stay at home wife. She doesn't have a lot to to work. She's with not doing film. as much in this one. It's That's unfortunate happened. because Attack of the Clones. I thought Natalie Portman that was she did a really great job. You know, and again, mm-hmm. it, she kind of sets the the standard that you know this is this is Leia's mom, and this really you know sets up why Leia is such a such a badass herself. You know, they wrote her back, I think, because they wanted to keep her in that position that Anakin fears at any given moment she could die or something. And so yeah, I think if they had put her in a position where even if pregnant, she had gone off on some, you know, action quest to find something, it would have played more into him constantly needing to be around and protect her. But, you know, this this whole thing was that really it, it leads a lot to you know, a lot of this film is that it's his thinking that if I do this path and I become his apprentice, he will teach me how to save Padme. And this kind of leads up to this, this really, really well done and very well choreographed, very long, which I think was also a great thing. It wasn't some short little spat. You have the, the real big fight of finally having master and apprentice 
fight each other, the long awaited, which we knew had to happen, you know, Obi-Wan versus Anakin. But simultaneously, we are getting a very fun fight of Sidious versus Master Yoda um, in the Senate, which is like such a cool setting for their fight. And that's really where it's the dope. dual fates comes back is really more of Yoda versus Sidious. And then, of course, Williams had wrote this kind of new piece for the battle of heroes here for our two our two main characters that really were heroes and now one is you know and this is it's a long fight it's a really yeah. long like with a lot of locations and going all through mustafar on you know the lava those giant like poles that they climb and you know it really makes for like a cinematic epic finale fight and the, and the choreography for this was just was really epic i mean there's some of these these moments like where they're fighting all of a sudden like Anakin's like choking him and holding his lightsaber down on him. It's just, it's a brutal fight um, in comparison yeah. to the other, the other ones in this film of the series. Yeah. And um, you know, especially over the last couple of years with social media, you get a lot of people sharing things. I'm part of a couple of star Wars groups on Facebook. And one of the things that always that kind of makes the rounds every once in a while is the trivia that, you know, with a lot you would think that with how fast Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor are swinging those lightsabers, you would think that they sped up the film, but actually no, they knew how big of a deal this was. And also they just enjoyed dueling each other, I think, but they knew how important this duel was for their characters. And so they rehearsed it to nauseum, like at oh, every yeah. chance they could get. So actually, I think I heard at one point they actually had to slow down a couple of moments That's because what I heard, yeah. be like to make it fit with yeah. the music, and so that it because otherwise it was just a blur. And they couldn't. I would assume probably made it harder to animate the blades on there. But my my cousin Grady and I have always been in kind of an argument because I always say Duel of the Fates Episode One is the best duel in Star Wars, just bar none. And he said, no, man, you got to watch. It's all about Revenge of the Sith between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And I think, like, I will always be, I will always think of Duel of the Fates as the number one. But in recent years, in re-watching episode threes, it has definitely moved up so that it's just below. It's as good. And I will always love Duel of the Fates because Darth Maul is just amazing yeah. in that soundtrack. Darth Maul is never going to be like, really you know, replace there on that. No, absolutely not. But um, the, the, um, the one from episode three is I actually texted him after rewatching it. Uh, I think right before episode nine. And I was like, I, I gotta tell you, I have to concede. This is a phenomenal duel. I, I don't know why I've been hating they really, it. They, so were, they really, they knew that they had to make it really epic to of course lead up to the point of, of, Obi-Wan being the victor and then leading into actually getting Vader uh, yeah. as we know him in his suit. And I love that it was with this, you know, we, you know, we really see Yoda as a character that is, you know, a master of the good side. And so like, who is his equal on the evil side? And that of course is Palpatine slash Sidious, the emperor. And that fight, although it's not as long as the other two, it's a really cool scene in the Senate. And especially like when mm -hmm. they come up in the center and it's just like, you know, and you're thinking, okay, this whole trilogy has been about him climbing the political rank through his own scheming. And Yoda, even though Yoda is this master, um, has not seen through it until this point. And now it's like he's going to take his stand. And just the way that that visual moment of like 
Sidious is way up kind of in the stands and he's like throwing those like seat things at Yoda and like the mm-hmm. way that he's jumping around. It's such a fun scene. And also I just love the fact that when Sidious throws that like lightning at him and then Yoda takes it and throws it at him and knocks him like way over. And like, it's such a fun, like, you know, Yoda's well, got some just, moves. Still, how about just when he great. walks into the office and he just like shrugs and knocks his two guards. Oh yeah. Line. So epic. <laughs> I but- definitely chuckled. Like, it is a great lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin. They really did a lot of hard work. And, you know, they're they're really at this point, they're equally matched. You know, it's like Obi-Wan's taught him everything throughout the years. So, of course, Anakin knows a lot of the same moves. And it's just a great fight. And then in the end, you know, one has to win. We know how the story has to go. And uh, Obi-Wan has the high ground. So, but Anakin's stubborn. Wins. Anakin's like, I, <laughs> you don't you underestimate my power. I know. Um, this is really, I mean, although the fight is really awesome, until Hayden gets um, chopped up a bit, from the point of Padme and Obi-Wan coming to Mustafar until he's chopped up, I absolutely hate his acting. Um, I love, yeah. when he's fighting though, like you said, like that kind of choke moment and like when he's not talking, but the way he looks and the dialogue, it's really when it's like, they were, I feel like George was trying to be like, this is now your full evil. You don't give a care anymore. You're just angry. And it just doesn't work for me as well. It's really just like, you know, you've brought her here to turn against me. And it's like, he's this whiny baby. You've done that yourself. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it's Anakin, like, uh, I believe in Republic democracy. Democracy. Even Natalie Portman in that scene. I don't even know who you are anymore. You're breaking my heart. I'm like, oh, good grief. Just get to the fight. There, I know. <laughs> like, if you th- it, here's the thing. Like, I, as I was watching it today, I'm like, if you think of Anakin as a, as just like, he's still a whiny teenager. Then yeah. the or the whiny of, young adult, I guess. Yeah, at that point, whiny but. young adult who you know is still like, doesn't really know the world. He doesn't. He isn't a four hundred one k. He doesn't know anything. Yeah, but um, sp- like what you were saying, like up until he gets chopped up a bit. Right after that, when Obi-Wan is, you know, going on, like, you were the chosen one. You were the chosen one. one. You were my brother. You were, you were my brother, uh, Anakin. And, I the like, I actually, I actually, like, teared up just, just a little bit um, because I was remembering back to watching the, like, finally watching the Clone Wars series a couple of years ago, which any of our listeners, if you have not watched it yet, it is fantastic if it does nothing else but, um, if it does nothing else but show how close Anakin and Obi-Wan are to each other and what they mean to each other as true. They're, they're brothers. And so for Anakin to have gone through this change, I, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm watching uh, Ewan McGregor do this scene and it just broke my, it did. It broke my heart because from the mo- like, yeah, from the moment he your new him, empire. And when he, when he beats him, that scene <laughs> mm-hmm. on, the rest of the movie is very masterfully done to the point yes. where we're getting the, this is like the final connective glue to thinking, all right, we're, you know, going to eventually have episode four and yeah, just watching him like, you know, climbing, trying to climb up, even though he's completely been beaten and he's, and he's, I hate you. And like, when he starts to burn on fire and Obi-Wan yeah. has to watch and go like, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And you can tell he's just so torn and just, uh, yep. And then him leaving, and then I just love Sidious finding him, and then we get this really, really, this is a really cool sequence of how they film. We have the same time that Anakin is being born into the Vader we're going to know him to be in this suit, 
mm-hmm. we were having Padme lose her life by giving, you know, by birthing Luke and Leia. It's a very like kind of interesting scene to see how they how they edited back and forth between like her and pain and you know giving the, the birth of the twins and being like this is the hope that we know it's like oh Luke and Leia obviously but then also seeing Anakin being transformed into the suit and that really cool moment when the the thing finally goes on his face and it's just like very quiet for a second and then we hear the breathing and I'm sure nerds everywhere were like that was the moment we came for. Um, it's just a yeah. very powerful, like it's a really well edited sequence in that, that moment um, building a lot of blocks. And, you know, this isn't the movie we're going to get Vader being Vader. That's, you know, that's what the trilogy the original trilogy is for, but I really mm-hmm. love that moment and seeing then the, the building blocks to, we see a little bit of the building of the Death Star and, you know, then on Tatooine and like, it was a really cool ending sequence. It didn't feel too long. And, you know, no. and even that little moment, I love that moment. You see Ian McGregor give up Luke. And then he just kind of stand it. He's doing that hand thing that Al Gunnis were doing. He's just kind of looking at him. And, and it's like, and I'm like, man, I can't wait for that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show now. Cause it's going to be like right in that time era. So that's right. Three to me, it, it does have some flawed acting moments. It has some flawed writing moments, but it, it, for me, it delivered on what the movie was about finally seeing the full transformation into not only Darth Vader, but then into the suit and how the story kind of pans out in the end. And he, I think you, you, Tim and Taylor and I, thinking of, you, you did say it best, this trilogy works the best of the three. It may have some clunky moments. It may have some not the best acting moments. It might have some poor writing moments. But as a story, as a trilogy, it works the best. And it's still very entertaining. And I'll continue to watch it. And it's fun to kind of watch in order now and then see how it goes right into shows, you know, that we're going to have coming up. And then, of course, the original trilogy, seeing those like little building blocks. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I still still love these films. And. They they still definitely go down as the best lightsaber fights of the of all the movies. Nothing has ever topped the prequel fights, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Which was surprising that you know after they went so they went so hard for us in the prequel trilogy, they kind of took a huge backstep for the new trilogy. But we talked about that. If you want to hear about that, go back to our episode from season one. We talked about the sequel trilogy. So thank you so much for being. On our episode today, talking about the prequel trilogy on May the 4th. Absolutely, man. My pleasure. Um, it's always fun to talk, chat with you guys. And uh, yeah, and to all of our listeners out there, may the 4th be with you. May the force be with us all. Until our next Star Wars project. I mean, we know we got the Bad Batch coming up. Uh, start Ooh. Actually, first episode came out today on May That's the 4th. Right. Uh, that's the new animated series we're looking forward to on Disney Plus. And then, you know, curious to see what other Star Wars shows will debut this year. And then we're still kind of waiting to get some more finalized news on when the next Star Wars movie will hit theaters and, and which one that will be. But as for now, I uh, still got The Mandalorian you can check out. And of course, all the Star Wars stuff that has come out is all on Disney Plus from 
the animated shows to all the movies to documentaries to just there's so much to watch so to, to the ewok movies that's right they're 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 <laughs> on disney plus recently. now so um yeah all right folks but uh thanks for listening today and yeah may the fourth be with you may the force be with you now rate and review our podcast this podcast episode is complete. do it <laughs> i am pop culture <laughs> <laughs> i have Potential. Unlimited potential. <laughs> there it is. That's it. That's it right That's there. That's the ending. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email. The Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.